You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Kevin Herter to get it in. Everyone standing at State Farm Arena. Herter looks. Plays it into Trey. Two seconds, one. Trey Slaughter. His heart out. I'm the best ever. I'm the most brutal in Michigan, most ruthless champion there's ever been. There's no one can stop me. Lynch is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody's ruthless. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their claw. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. You are now listening to the Hawks Beat Podcast with your host, all right ladies and gentlemen we are back i got my guy kevin chenard uh on the podcast with us uh he's been on before but uh kevin does some writing for hawks.com uh, he's purveyor of atl and 29 podcast contributor to hawks on belly uh, brother Kevin, man, thanks for joining us today, man. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Always, always, man. I enjoyed your uh, your pod with you and Glenn the other day, man. You guys brought up some interesting takes uh, on Bruno Fernando, man. I really appreciated that because I thought I was the only one that was like, you know, hey, Bruno should probably get some more playing time in certain situations. And uh, you guys kind of you guys kind of brought that element up, but I thought that was really cool because I really thought it, and I didn't think anyone else in the world was thinking like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I think he's he's a good he's a good defensive center, and he's a wreck on offense. And I think honestly, he just needs like some something that kind of cleansed the mental palate, so to speak, you know, just like, I don't know. I think he just kind of needs a, a clean start. You know, some, sometimes when, when players get traded, they, they kind of, you know, just kind of wipe the slate clean and they can just go and do what they're supposed to do. And, you know, I, when the Hawks were really shorthanded the other day, it's like, well, maybe just start him, you know, because honestly their defensive needs were more with the starting lineup and, uh, I honestly just thought that's, you know, just completely changing his role and starting him and just saying, Hey, you know what? We, we need you today. Uh, you know, forget everything else, just focus on today and, and, and just do the things that you're good at and, you know, try to try to get him sort of a, a mental refresher, 
just yeah, something yeah. to relax and calm him down because he just looks like he's thinking through offense too much, trying to digest everything that's happening. And then he's just going too slow and then putting the ball in the wrong place and turning it over. But, you know, defensively, he does some nice things. Yeah, yeah. And I know that was really random starting to interview off of Bruno Fernando. <laughs> <laughs> you can start with John Collins. The, the Hawks literally, you know, the, we're, we've said, okay, we'll record at five o'clock. It was a five o'clock injury report. Uh, they just said that John Collins is questionable for tomorrow. So Jay-Z might be back. Yeah, yeah. That would, that would be really good, man. So, yeah, I guess we can start with John, man. Uh, <laughs> this, 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 is, this was the money year, you know. And I, I tell you, man, it's been hard getting a feel for this team virtually, you know, uh, when you're in the locker room, you're able to kind of get a feel for the team, you know, you're able to see how they handle losses, how they handle wins, but it's hard to get a feel for the team this year. But uh, one thing that's been consistent is, is John wanting that max money. <laughs> he's, he's, been, <laughs> he's been saying that since training camp and, you know, um, how do you think this thing is going to end out, man? Like I have my thoughts, but how do you think this thing is going to end out? You think Travis is going to pony up the money for John? And um, I don't know if, if them being able to win while he's been hurt has been a, a bad for him. It, it's every week is different, man. So how is this saga going to play out? Yeah, I don't know, to be honest. And it's, it's, it's tricky. I, I think it's hard to put stock in this part of the season because the Hawks are hurt. So many of the teams that they're playing are hurt. I actually think that the change to Nate actually favors John a little bit. I think uh, maybe a little bit less uh, spacing on offense, but more emphasis on defense, kind of slow down the pace, grind it out, kind of fits the 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 two big lineup with with uh, Collins and Capella together better under McMillan than it didn't under Lloyd Pierce. I think he kind of fits those kind of schemes a little bit better. So I, I mean, I think he kind of fits, you know, if, if you're going to bring or, you know, in theory, if, you, if you're going to, uh, what would you call it? If you, if you give McMillan, let's say three-year contract or four-year contract, then you, you might want to tie that to Collins, uh, not every coach plays all three or four years of whatever deal that they get. But if, if you're planning on McMillan being here, uh, having a couple bigs in the starting lineup that play well defensively together and protect the rim, that that could be a good fit for the style that they play, yeah, especially with regard to offense and defense. So I don't know. That, that's sort of my one thing is that I think McMillan is kind of a good fit for it. Um, but other than that, I, I don't really know. It's 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 hard to put stock in the game to game performances. I think. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know. <clears throat> what do you think? I mean, I think that I think that the price has definitely gone up <laughs> from the ninety yeah. mil they tried to throw at him. You know, during during uh, negotiations. Right. I, I ultimately think that I think that Travis will do the deal. I think that another team's going to throw him a bigger number. And I think that Travis will, I think that Travis will ultimately match it. I think, I mean, I'm not hundred percent sure, but um, I think he's, he's been, play, I mean, when he's been, he, when he's been healthy, he's played very well, you know, um, that still doesn't mean they can't, they won't trade him. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I just think that he'll get his money. I think he'll get more than the 90 than um, when, you know, which is what they offered him. But I think, 
to be honest, I think the one player that is kind of indispensable is it's kind of been Clint Capella. <laughs> Cause like he, this, the skill set that he has, like nobody can really duplicate like he can duplicate, you know? And I, I think he's been so good defensively. He's grabbing every single rebound. And I think he's been the one that's really been, uh, you know, he's just been playing really good basketball. But I mean, I, I'm kind of like you, I, I have no idea of how it's going to shake out. I think it evidently will probably get, you know, his money, but I don't know, man. I yeah, guess that's how they play the game. That's the other thing they have to consider, take into consideration is, okay, well, you know, when you approach the Collins deal, what, what are you planning to do for Capella the year after? Um, because his contract isn't terribly long. And, you know, early in the season, I think Collins was a, a good replacement for Capella in the sense that, you know, in the fourth quarter, uh, he was really the ideal center for them. Uh, Capella wasn't doing so hot at the free throw line. I, I think Capella's moving better now than he did earlier in the season. I think he's defending better. He's he's getting to more contests on defense uh, compared to what he was a couple of months ago. So, you know, early in the season, it felt like, okay, well, if we're not going to do the two big lineup late, uh, let's just you know, just roll with John. And uh, when John comes back, it, it may be just the opposite. Um, you know, you might see, uh, well, I think that Nate McMillan and John Collins are a good fit. When McMillan did take over, uh, the late fourth quarter lineups a lot of the times were Solomon Hill with Clint Capella. I think he kind of liked the more mobile four look to end games, especially mm -hmm. depending on what the opponents do. So, uh, you know, if you pick one big when John comes back for defensive purposes late in the game, it might be Capella now, whereas earlier in the season it was Collins. Yeah. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, the McMillan-Lloyd Pierce uh, <laughs> divide. <laughs> uh, Bob's been playing very well under McMillan, which is to be expected. I mean, he's, he's what, 16, 17 years in, you know, I've always never really compared the two. It was totally different. You know, I'm in the field of education and you show me a teacher that's been teaching for three years and one that's been doing it for 17 years. And obviously there's going to be a, a tremendous difference, but uh, what are some of the things that you've seen under McMillan um, that the Hawks have just been doing much better than they were when they started the season under Pierce? Uh I guess a big one is that I think Bogdan Bogdanovich's role has changed a lot. Uh, it's funny because early early in the season, he played a lot with Kevin Herter sort of as, as a bench pairing. And then with all the injuries, those two sort of became the de facto starters. Um, so he's, he's really spent a lot of time playing against or playing with, uh, playing at the same time as Kevin Herter. And early in the season, when they were both coming off the bench and they were playing maybe with Rondo, the ball handling duties a lot of the time went to Kevin Herter more than even Rondo and, and Bogdanovich. And so early in the season, it felt like they were just using Bogdanovich on offense too much as just a spot-up shooter. And you know, over time that's changed and it's hard to know, okay, well, do you, how much of this do you chalk up to it being Nate? How much of it do you chalk up to 
uh, chalk it up to being just, you know, just circumstance because now they're starters, they're playing with Trey. And it's almost like they're playing with a different version of Trey, like the version of Trey that was sort of healthy and speedy to start the season. You really didn't want the ball in a whole lot of other people's hands. And I think now uh, with teams kind of loading up on Trey and sort of the wear and tear of the season grinding on them, you know, you kind of want to diversify things and, and, and get, get the ball in Trey's hands, but also get it in the hands of some other people too, give them a break. Um, and Bogdanovich has been perfect for that. But I think, I think that's the, just, just that one, just focusing on a player. That's sort of the biggest difference is uh, the style that he's playing and also how well he's playing. He looks more comfortable. Um, and again, you know, how much of that is just a, a certain comfort level over being here long enough, uh, being healthy after recovering from the injury. It's hard to say, but, you know, Bogdanovich is kind of a poster child for, for how things are different. Um, and it's interesting because it's really something that happened to all of the players who were sort of new to the Hawks rotation this season, like Capella has gotten better <laughs> under, <laughs> under uh, McMillan and Gallinari has been, I don't know if he's the one whose role has changed a lot, but he's, he's a terrific fit for, for what McMillan does because you know, Nate has said a few times, we want to go early or we want to go late. In other words, you know, if you get something in the fast break or if you can get a shot at the rim and transition, you know, get that. But if you don't, you know, make them defend, be very deliberate, use a lot of the shot clock, just kind of grind on them. And he's, he's good at that because, you know, just his spacing with Trey and pick and pops just makes defending the Hawks a pain in the butt. Um, it's not just that you have to defend the Hawks for a long time. You have to defend them when they're, you know, making a, a 25 foot uh, circum or radius around the basket. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's, it's not easy to get sucked into the rim and then, Oh wait, now we got to go contest a shooter too. Yeah. Uh, you know, you do that for 24 seconds against shooters that can shoot from 25 feet like Gallinari and Bogdanovich. It, it can be kind of a pain and, Gallinari in particular is just a very good player to have if you get below five seconds on the shot clock because he could just make a halfway decent shot out of nothing. And I think that this is kind of what they were envisioning when they brought those guys over to me. Like when they brought um, Bogey in and, and Gallo and in the beginning of the season, Gallo, I mean, uh, Bogey was doing a lot of spot up shooting. I think that was kind of just like, okay, let's just kind of feel things out. And, you know, it, it takes time, you know, for, for them to mesh. And it was crazy how, you know, when the day that Pierce is let go, Bogey returns from injury. <laughs> and so now, you know, going forward, you got a healthy Bogey, you got a Gallo that's not on minutes restriction. And now you can kind of see the totality of what those guys can bring to the table. And, and what you said, the spacing is just, I mean, pick your poison. You know, you got Trey shooting from 25 feet out. Gallo can hit those shots too. And if you got Gallo at the five, you know, you're bringing that center out and the spacing is just, is tremendous. And you bring in a guy like Nate who knows how to take advantage of those uh, offensive, you know, type things, then it's match made in heaven. And I think they're what, 16 and six or something like that under Nate. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, it, the thing that's that's crazy between the Nate and the, the Pierce divide is it's like 
how many people was like still have like bad blood towards Pierce. And I don't know if it's the athletic article or if it's just kind of a crazy fan thing, but it's it's kind of weird to me. But you know, I, I wish I they mean, all was that. Oh, I, no, you're go ahead. <laughs> no, it's it's just weird to me. Like like after after game, I'll see some tweets and folks like firing tweets to like Coach Pierce, and it was just like it's weird to me. Like I don't really understand it, but you know, it's it's whatever. <laughs> yeah, people have weird access to grind. Uh, I think the pandemic's wearing on everybody. I don't know. There's some, <laughs> there's some bitterness, but uh, I mean, I, here's the thing: like that the Rondo Herder. Bogdanovich uh, bench unit that they had to start the season may not have been ideal. And I think it maybe it hurt Bogdanovich in some respects. Yeah. But I mean, you look at what Lloyd Pierce was doing uh, when everybody was healthy. The starters were Trey, Hunter, Reddish, Collins, and Capella. And for the first time ever, like the Hawks had a dominating defense with Trey Young in the lineup. Like they literally made a dominating defense out of Trey Young. And if you had said that to anybody six months earlier, it'd be like, yeah, not that Trey Young. No, exactly. But, but Trey played better defense and Lloyd made a superbly good defense around him with him on the court. And so the bench was kind of a weird mishmash of pieces and then, you know, Gallinari, who was had a terrific preseason, he played one game with that bench, and then he was hurt. And things kind of went sour from there, I think, for the, for the bench. Uh, Rondo wasn't the greatest fit, maybe. And, uh, you know, Gallinari was hurt, and Bogdanovich took some time. And then, you know, the bench was kind of a mess, and then injuries caught up. But, I, you know, just in terms of what they had with the starters, uh, that, that unit looked really good at the start of the season. They were playing terrific defense and I mean that wasn't something that I expected me neither me neither um I mean this segment is brought to you by Manscaped what's up guys it's your man Edub to once again tell you about Manscaped fellas listen it's about to be springtime in the city temperatures are rising one thing you don't want sweat coming from your man bush below the belt let's keep it real the good folks over at manscape are here for your springtime trim listen they have the waterproof lawnmower 3.0 that's going to give you that smooth bush to tush cleanup that some of you are in desperately need of let's keep it real or maybe you just need the weed whacker Manscaped state-of-the-art nose and hair trimmer. They have so many products from toners to deodorant to specially designed boxers. Manscaped is doing something special for just my listeners. Go to manscaped.com, use our promo code HAWKSBEAT. Again, it's manscaped.com, use our promo code for HAWKSBEAT for 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped, you'll be glad you did. the expectations this year were really crazy because like, and I guess I want to transition a little bit to the rookie. Um, There's been a lot of talk about a Kongu and 
uh, I think the fans, some, some of the fans have been a little hard on the guy, you know, and I don't think they really understand how hard it is to play in the NBA, much less with no training camp, no summer league. And, you know, you're very, you're, you're not getting very much practice time. He started the season injured. And so, like, he's checking all the boxes of playing from behind. And now we're starting to see, you know, some of the fruits of, of his talent. And I think it's a credit to how smart he is. You know, I think he's a very smart player. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm probably higher on a Congo than most. But uh, I, I think the kid has promise, man. I, I've seen some flashes. And the NBA game is fast. And I don't think the average fan knows how fast the NBA game is. And he's just playing catch up, man. But I really like what I see out of a Congo. What have your thoughts been on the rookie? Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, no summer camp, no training camp. He was definitely behind the eight ball, and he's gonna be fine. Uh, it's interesting because he's he's a different kind of player. Like you look at somebody like Capella, and you know the goal with somebody like Capella is, you know, keep him around the rim. Uh, you see a lot of the defense geared on uh, maybe sort of pressing up, uh, trying to deny passing lanes. And then, you know, if you get beat back door, you know, hopefully Clint is back there uh, to clean things up. And you just, you really want to keep him around the rim as much as possible. And, and a Kongwu can be a, probably a pretty good rim protector. He's just never going to be as big as Capella. But I think where his strength is going to be is if you want to do something crazy where you just want to switch everybody one through five, uh, you, you, you can do something like that. I think he's going to be a very facile defender on the perimeter as well as inside. I think he's, he's you know, for a big man, he's going to be terrific uh, defending actions on the perimeter. Um, and then just his offense has been really pleasing. Uh, you know, he hit like a 17-foot jumper the other day, which is probably the first time he even tried one. It looked perfectly natural. But uh, just in terms of offense, since Lou Williams has gotten there, and, like, he's been just terrific for the kid. Uh, yeah. He just gets him the ball in the right places. But now that that's happening, Okongwu is just making quick decisions. He's not overthinking it. It's like, I've got the ball here. Okay, let me jump up and put it in. Like, he's just catch and go, catch and go, catch and go. It's just very fluid uh, and not wrought with, oh, God, I just got the ball. What the hell do I do with it? Yeah, and I think that's kind of uh, where Bruno kind of got stuck in, you know, where. Yeah, that's a big contrast for sure. Yeah, the overthinking, and, and that's big in the NBA, especially like confidence is a big part of the game, and you have to be mm -hmm. almost instinctive uh, with your movement, with your placement, with your, you know, your feet work, and uh, I mean, he has flourished since Lou got here, and I mean, I, again, I, I'm a fan of the kid. I, I hope he succeeds, and, and I think that he's going to have a bright future. And, you know, I, I don't go to battle with a lot of fans on Twitter. I'm like, yo, man, y'all got to ease up on the kid, man. Like, he, he's going to be all right. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I wonder what the future will be like with, you know, you got you bring the Congo kid into the fold. You know, John is still kind of in limbo, and you got Clint Capella 
you know, just looking at it from a financial standpoint, <laughs> like two or three years, you know, you wonder like what domino is going to fall and when it's going to fall. But I mean, I don't know if it's sustainable to think that all three of them are going to be here for the next two or three years, or I don't know what Travis's plans are, that, but that's going to be an interesting uh, development, I believe, to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's sort of an interesting question. It's like, can can your front court of the future be something like uh, John and Onyeka and just kind of play with, without really a center, just kind of two, four and a half, right? Instead of a four and a five, just kind of two guys who are, you know, pretty adept inside and pretty adept outside. Uh, not uh, when I say outside, I'm talking about outside on defense for a comp, we're not on offense, but uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be interesting, man. But um, let me ask you about Trey Young, man. He's had um, he's had a good year. Um, I don't think you. I, I wouldn't characteristic. I, I wouldn't characteristic as. I don't know that there, there's been a lot of back and forth uh, between Trey Young and the national media versus you know how how we look at him here in Atlanta, and. Like to me, like, and I haven't done a deep dive into the metrics or anything like that, but you know, uh, the floater hasn't been there this year, like on a consistent basis, like we've seen. And to me, it's just been like, yo, he's got a whole bunch of new teammates. He's, you know, he's going through a second coach. And I think, you know, it's not a measure of him not being good. I think there's still some things that he's trying to figure out. Uh, I think that there's, uh, he's still a young guy. Like he's still a young guy. Like, what are your thoughts on how Trey has been this year as far as his on the court play? Um, I I think he's been good. It's it's funny because uh, it was the Chicago game where you know the one where Zach Levine had what was it fifty points? Yeah, and Trey got forty two and. They made him get that, you know, they were playing the drop pick and roll coverage and just, you know, daring him to shoot floaters. And until the end of the game, when I think they switched it up a little bit, he just went and got the 42 points, you know, almost exclusively on floaters and free throws. Yeah. And, you know, the Milwaukee game was kind of the same thing. I don't think he was feeling quite as healthy, but, uh, you know, they dared him to, to make floaters and he missed them. Um, yeah. And maybe part of that was Drew Holiday, but I think the bigger part of it was just that he'd been hurt for a while and he was coming back and just didn't quite look like himself. But yeah, that's, that's it's going to be an interesting uh, trend to watch. Uh, the you think teams that are, teams are going to kind of take that approach? I think in a lot of cases, you know, they'll they'll defend a pick and roll by sending one person over the screen, just chase him off the three-point line. And Drew Holiday did a really good job of that in the most recent game. Uh, and then they'll drop the big and, and just kind of have the big play center field and say, okay, no layups for you, Trey. But here, if you want that floater, it's probably going to be there. Um, and it's it's hard to be consistent at, at that shot. Like, it's pretty smart to give that up. Um, you know, the math on that is is pretty good. I think that was a, a good strategy by Bud in that game. And uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to go get all those points that way. Um, yeah. So yeah. 
I'm very intrigued. I mean, I think honestly, the most, if you just look at the entire Hawks season, you know, the most interesting thing is going to be, and hopefully we get to see it, which is, okay, well, what does Trey do in a seven game postseason series? Um, you know, if they can avoid that play in scenario and, and guarantee that they are in the, you know, for at least four games in the playoffs, um, I think that's good because you, you'll, you'll get that chess match. You'll get to see, okay, what are they going to do to cover Trey? What sort of defense are they going to choose when you get to scout him and you get to plan for it and you be very particular about what you want to do against it. And then, you know, just the chess game, what do the Hawks do as a counter response? How does Trey react? Um, and just see the constant adjustments and, and the physicality um, a couple of times now when the Hawks have lost, uh, you know, McMillan has said, Hey, you know, this was a physical game. This is what we're going to see in the playoffs. Um, you know, we can't make excuses. And the funny thing is that, you know, I think when, when Nate gets pointed in some of his post-game pressers, especially the ones after losses, it almost feels like the message is sort of tailored towards Trey. Like it won't necessarily bring his name up, but you know, the Hawks will go as Trey goes. And, and it feels like a lot of the things that he says are sort of, pertain to Trey and you know when he says hey it's going to be physical in the playoffs we've got to get used to that uh you know the free throws won't always be there you know that's it, it certainly would seem like something that applies to Trey as well and it's going to be interesting to see yeah I get that feeling a lot too like like it's kind of unseen like seen but he's saying it but we kind of know where it's directed to and um without saying like yo you know this is how it's gonna be man them dudes like especially like in the memphis game when they were just a physical team and then you know the hawks kind of bought into the uh you know hey you know they're grabbing us and lloyd's like i mean coach mcmillan's like yo man that's playoff basketball you know they grab yeah, that you, was grab that was certainly one of them that's one of the times that he said that yep yeah and so it's like yeah it's kind of i think he points to kind of trade to realize like yo man you the leader, yeah. and just like you said, they're gonna go as Trey goes. Like yeah. another and when he says after the game, he says, you know, we got frustrated with the referees, and you watch the game, and you could see that Trey was frustrated with the referees. He's, he's talking about Trey without talking about Trey. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, and, and another sidebar is interesting. Like, how is that gonna play, right? Like, so you know, we we all understand like the whole thing with Trey and Pierce. You know that that relationship got uh to be uh strained i guess you could say towards the end and uh how how long is is trey going to say like how is he going to be how is he going to receive that you know what i'm saying because you know coach pierce is one who never bought his bit his tongue and i think that that was maybe part of his demise the fact that he was so brutally honest but uh you know i wonder how trey is going to take that you know and i guess only time will tell but um I don't know. I guess we'll just have to wait and see how that whole thing plays out between uh, Coach and uh, Trey Young. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Was was Lloyd that? I guess he was. I mean, there were times he was kind of honest, but I don't think he was necessarily brutal about it. And it's funny because you know, if, if you did sort of a role reversal, it would be an interesting exercise because I just think that any coach who kind of drags through three years of rebuilding the the scars build up and you know i think nate the thing that nate's going to have going for him is that he 
he doesn't have that that scar um you know if if they finish the season then get to the postseason uh you know it's Nate Nate was here for the good times <laughs> right uh, I don't know so, <laughs> indeed <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, another one of the talking points, you know, as far as the Hawks are concerned, is Trey's uh, his perception in the national media. And a lot of people feel that he is kind of overlooked, or uh, I guess some people use the word disrespected. You know, I think that's kind of a hometown thing. Like, you know, you know, nobody's gonna love a player. No one's gonna love your player like you know you love your player. You know, it's kind of hard for me to gauge that because I'm not a Hawks fan like I cover the Hawks and like I mean I want the Hawks to win but it's more like business you know what I mean like I don't when they lose it's not like I'm not devastated <laughs> but like what are, what are your thoughts about Trey's perception in the national media do you feel that he's kind of overlooked or disrespected in any way I know there was like a list that came out that he wasn't on but you know what are your thoughts towards that yeah, man, I think he's getting to the point where he's underrated. Uh, I think that's probably fair. Like, you look at the all-star team, it felt a little weird that, you know, Zach Levine made it and Sabonis made it and Vucevic made it. I mean, they're all good players, and we're talking about different positions, but – or at least in the case of two of them, different positions. Uh yeah. I think it's funny. I mean, I kind of understand why he's underrated because you know, the Hawks weren't very good until this year. So everybody said, well, you know, Luke is winning and Trey's losing. And, you know, this season they have pretty much the same record. Uh, the two teams are, are pretty comparable in what they've done. If you, if you want to go with something like a Dallas-Atlanta comparison, which is what a lot of people have done over the last couple of years, they say, well, Trey's losing. Well, okay, now he's winning, but you know it, it's funny because if you if you look at the NBA from a national perspective, you know guys kind of dart in and out of the news cycle, and you know Trey gets in the news cycle for something like Steve Nash saying that well he's shooting too many free throws, and everybody looks up his free throw and I'm saying, oh God, he is shooting too many free throws. We, this is a crisis. We have to fix it, and, <laughs> and he's certainly shooting fewer free throws now. But uh, I don't know that there was anything too hideous about his free throws. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just think that, you know, if, if you're looking at all 30 teams at once and how players dart in and out of the news cycles, you know, Trey kind of goes through it for too many of the negatives and not enough of the positives and, and people form their opinions about a player based on that. And I think just sort of nationally people have, formed the opinion on he doesn't play defense, the Hawks lose. And he's done some of the opposite things this season. And, you know, until he gets in the playoffs, which is when all 30 fan bases will sort of look his way again, they're just going to keep those opinions. And honestly, you know, if, if Trey wants to change minds apart from the local fan base, then he's going to have to do it in the playoffs. That's, that's where you'll win minds over hearts and minds are, are one and convinced in the playoffs. So, I mean, he, his chance to reform people's uh, 
people's opinions with respect to how he plays is is it's going to be open for him to change it uh, if if the Hawks get into a, a postseason series that's longer than just like one game. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> this this whole play-in thing is so weird. I I can't really wrap my mind around it. It's going to be interesting. It, it, interesting to say the least. Uh, I, I was looking at it you know, just kind of grasping. And I didn't really understand how they were doing it until like two weeks ago. I really sat down and like, okay, so that's how they do it. And uh, I know Luca came out and said that he wasn't really a fan of it, obviously, because his team is like in the seventh spot in the West. And, <laughs> but, and yeah. get this, Mark Cuban agreed with him. Can you believe it? I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> Never saw that coming. But uh, yeah, man, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think if Trey wants to change that narrative, uh, he's going to have to do something in the playoffs, you know, and I think that that's one thing that uh, Luca did last year when Luca really uh, had a good bubble, you know, when he really, you know, had the game winning shot and played played really good in the playoffs. I think there is some. Yeah, but see, that's not Luca. See, that's the thing, though, is like Luca, he's one of the players who has the opportunity to change what people think of him during the regular season because. You know, there'll be a setup like the the Knicks or whatever the other day. I think the Knicks played the Mavericks and the Knicks won and Julius Randle had 43 points and, you know, ESPN is leading with a Luka highlight. And it's like, well, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, so, I you know, for some people, you know, it, it's differing standards. Yeah. Um, but Trey's certainly not unique in this. I mean, there's, there are scads of NBA players who are sort of borderline all-stars who, you know, just aren't on the tip of the national media's tongues as much as some other players. So, um, but yeah, he's going to have his chance. Yeah. And I, and I think that there's something to the fact of the vehicle that is pushing the Luca, <laughs> the Luca Doncic train. I think there is something there uh, gets the little extra push, but you know, that's a whole another, another podcast. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> And I don't think Luke is a bad player in any in any sense of the word. You know, I think no, very good, fabulous players. I enjoy both yeah. of them, which can be which can be not that looked on favorably in Atlanta Twitter because you and he's starting really... to shoot better, which is scary. Like that was yeah. always and kind of like really honestly, kind of like LeBron. Like it's like, well, yeah, he does a lot of things, but he he can't really shoot that well. And now it's like, oh wait, now nah, he can shoot. Oh well, that's that's a problem. <laughs> Yeah, I find him interesting because he's not fast or quick, but he he gets his shot off and he can get to his spots. And I just find that as a fan, like pretty, pretty amazing. This segment is brought to you by Tillman's Trinkets and Things. Custom jewelry ships straight to your doorstep. Every piece will be uniquely yours. So if you are looking for some custom bracelets or necklaces, Go see our guy Jonathan at TillmansTrinketsAndThings.com. Again, that's TillmansTrinketsAndThings.com. Tell him the Hawks beat sent you. You'll be happy you did. This segment is brought to you by Dow Family Wellness. Are you dealing with pain? No, I'm not talking about the pain when your team loses a ball game. I'm talking about back pain, neck pain. <laughs> well, listen, you need to go see our guy, Dr. Rick, the chiropractor of the Hawks Beat podcast. Whether you've been in an auto accident, you may be an expecting mother, suffering from migraines, any type 
neck pain or back pain, Dr. Rick is here to help. Dr. Rick and the good folks over at Dow Family Wellness use the latest in computerized technology to diagnose your issues and they have affordable cash plans. Here's what he's doing for our listeners. Consultation, exam, digital pics, computer scans, and an adjustment all for $37. Yep, I said it first time visit, $37. So call our guy, Dr. Rick, 470-395-3478. That's 470-395-3478. Stop letting that pain fester. Call Dr. Rick at Dow Family Wellness. Tell him the Hawksbeat sent you and take the first step to living pain-free. But, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this whole playoffs things take off and, uh, you know, what Trey is able to accomplish. I want to ask you a, about another player that is very highly regarded in the Hawks, uh, on the Hawks roster, and that's one Cam Reddish. Um, this is year, I feel like year three for Cam, right? And uh, year, year two. Is it year two? Mm-hmm. Year, it's two. Just year two. Wow. It seems like he's been here another year. I don't know why, but um, <laughs> Cam, Cam is like beloved here in Atlanta. Like that like, I haven't seen like in a while, like folks really, really grabbed hold of Cam as far as like, you know, if you ever to ask you about the two rookies, I would probably say like, you know, when him and DeAndre came in, like folks really gravitated to, to Cam more so than they did DeAndre. But, um, you know, he's been dealing with the injuries. Before the injuries, he hasn't really played well. Uh, you bring in another wing like Bogdanovich, and he's playing well. Like, you know, what are your thoughts uh, on the future, I guess, for Cam Reddish, man? Because we haven't seen him in, it seems like, so long, man. You know, we're always talking about potential with him. And, you know, you just wonder, like, you know, how much time is left on the Cam Reddish clock? Wow. Uh, yeah, I guess, I don't know. Like, I don't think it's as dire as that provided that he's healthy because he's, he's that good defensively. Um, you know, he might not be a superstar and it might not be the kind of thing that gets the gigantor payday. Um, but he's very good on defense. Like that was clear at the beginning of the season, even when he was struggling on offense, you know, he was, taking the toughest assignments on defense and doing quite well at them. But yeah, it was just, it was unfair. Like what, what happened with the pandemic? Uh, uh, when the pandemic hit and the season was canceled and the Hawks didn't go to the bubble, it's like, I'm, I'm looking around the league and it's like, I'm thinking to myself, you know, this, this might hurt Cam more than it hurts any other player in the NBA just because he had made so much progress offensively last season from where he started to the season, from where he started the season to where he ended it. Exactly. And he just didn't get to continue it. Didn't get to finish a regular season. Didn't get to do the bubble, had to take nine months off. And, you know, at the end of last season was kind of the first time that I think he'd really been healthy in a while. So he gets to this season and, you know, his defense is good. His offense is kind of out of sync and then he's hurt. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just, I, I don't think it's anything dire. I think it's just, a, just sort of a big question mark. Like it's just, 
it's going to be hard and it's going to be a completely different Hawks team. When he gets back, he's not going to have the same level of, you know what, just go out there and play and make your mistakes and whatever happens, happens, and we'll, we'll get you back up to speed. It's, it's going to be a more competitive team. Exactly. The rotations will be a little tighter when he comes back. And so he's not going to get the, Hey, just play your way back into it. Sort of uh, freedom that, that, that he would have had, you know, in a previous season. So it's, it's tough. I, I don't think there's any like real other than health. I don't think there's anything really limiting him. He's still really young. He still hasn't gotten a lot of reps. There's a lot of time for him to, to sort of figure things out. He's so young. Um, it's, you know, I, but I, you know, I don't think that there's any huge positives or negatives uh just other than the positive which is that he can play defense and Mm -hmm. i don't think he's ever going to be an overwhelming offensive player he just has to be good enough and healthy enough um i saw an interesting stat the other day it was something i was kind of surprised by it but uh I think the biggest thing for him, and again, it's a thing that comes with reps. It's, you know, I think he can be a good shooter. It's going to be a question of, you know, what does he do when he's handling the ball? And there was a stat that was like, he was actually one of the players this season who had been fouled on a higher percentage of drives than almost anybody. And that's good. But it also raises the question, well, uh, are we factoring like passes in? Because I think it might just be a sort of a situation where he's getting those free throws because he's just, he's getting tunnel vision on his drives a little bit. I think the thing that's really going to open up the game for him is for him to relax and to just sort of play a driving kick game. You know, if you, if you mm-hmm. get to the basket and there's not a great shot there waiting for you, you know, find somebody else, especially the way Nate plays. He wants these offensive possessions to be grinds. He wants to use clock. I don't think he's going to look fondly on, you know, somebody driving with 15 seconds on the clock and taking a contested leaner, um, <laughs> you know, and, and if it's Cam that does it, because honestly, you know, what, what Trey takes or what DeAndre Hunter takes is, is going to yield a better shot than what, what Cam probably takes. So if he can just get to the point where he's comfortable driving saying you know what this isn't going to be a good shot for me let's see where the ball can go next if he if he does that he'll be in a great place because he's a good defender and if if he gets healthy he'll be fine yeah and that's a good thing to hang your hat on but if he's stubborn about it and if he's like you know what uh i want to get i want to get a basket here let me let me uh let me just see what i can get when i shoot it then you know, and it's going to be a problem. Life might be hard for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's a good, that's a good thing to hang your hat on. Like if the one thing that you're good at is defense, like that's a pretty good thing to have in your tool pocket, you know? Um, yeah. it, like you said, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how he deals with like, look, man, you're not competing against Jabari Parker for minutes anymore. <laughs> like you got like, you know, wings that are like, you know, producing, you know, when you come back. So it's not like, Hey, your starter again like you're gonna have to earn those minutes you're gonna have to you know get back into the swing of things and I just wonder how all of that is going to to mesh but I mean he's a young kid he's still on the crunch contract for a few years so um I think he'll be fine but I, I just find the whole cam reddish thing kind of interesting 
um, what he can be, what he will be, and uh, the obstacles that he'll have to overcome. So um, I want to, I'm, I'm coming to a close, and I just want to ask you as a totality, and I'm glad that you uh, took some time out of your schedule to join me, man. I, I really wanted to just get your opinions on a lot of the Hawks players from an individual standpoint, but as a team, um, right now the Hawks are sitting fourth in the East. Uh, Boston's breathing down their backs. The Knicks are breathing down their backs. And, um, you know, where do you see this team ending out? Do you think it's tenable for this Hawks team to finish as a four seed? Do you see them dropping a little bit? Do you think a play-in will be more uh, in their future? Because you kind of have those top three. You've got the Brooklyn, the Philly, and the Milwaukee, and whatever order they're in and then you have like the bunch and they're all bunched together and if you have a bad week you can go to like easily to like the eighth or ninth spot so uh where do you see this thing in and out for the hawks man i mean they're 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 quite hurt <laughs> still uh so you know the the good news for them is i i think they're going to win the southeast division uh division title hang the banner because Miami, I don't know what's wrong with Miami, but they just can't get it together. And Charlotte is currently devastated by injury uh, in a way it's very similar to the Hawks, but uh, I don't think they're as deep a team and they're not handling it as well as the Hawks have. I, I think they're, uh, I think the Hornets are about to turn south or they've already turned south. I think they're going to keep driving south. Um, and the Heat, <laughs> they kind of drive in circles. So, I think the Hawks are going to win the division. I don't know that they're going to finish as four, but I, I think the prospects for sort of winning the division and finishing top six are good. Uh, I think Boston is in a good spot at the moment. I think they've disappointed and sort of underplayed what they should be playing. Uh, honestly, the season's kind of gone a lot the way I expected in the sense that I think a lot of people thought thought sort of the same teams in the East were good, and I thought sort of thought the same thing. But I was kind of I was kind of light on Indiana and kind of light on Toronto. I didn't think I wasn't as convinced on those two teams, and they're they're both kind of disappointed. But Boston, their their disappointing season has surprised me a little bit, and I think I think they'll finish strong and probably pass the Hawks. Um, you know, they they have you know two legit All Stars. Kemba's can do some things. They're they brought in Jabari, which was interesting. Uh, I actually kind of like it, but I, I don't know that he's actually going to play that much. Um, but it, it's kind of weird. I'm very surprised that that they did that in the sense that they why did they trade Tice? I mean, I guess they didn't want to pay Tice beyond the season, but I'm, he kind of fit what they did. Yeah. And now he's gone and they, you know, they made those trades and they got Mo Wagner and then they're just like, thanks Mo, well, we're going to sign Jabari. So we're going to cut you. And it's like, that doesn't entirely make sense to me, but they just still have a lot of talent. And I, I kind of think they'll do well in the Knicks. You know, it's funny. The Knicks are kind of a lot like the Hawks in the sense that I think that, that Tom Thibodeau and Nate McMillan are both, good floor raisers. Uh, they don't need, neither one has a ton of postseason success, but they're going to grind the hell out of their regular season teams and make sure that they make the playoffs. And 
the Knicks are just a little bit healthier than the Hawks right now. So, you know, between that and, and the defense that they play and the season that Randall's having, I think they have enough shooters and defenders and, 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 and good vibes to kind of make it work for, for Thibodeau. Uh, their, their defense is, is no joke. So, you know, I kind of see the Hawks maybe dipping from just because they're hurt. If the Hawks were 100% healthy right now, I, I would put them and say they're four, they're going to stay four. But with the injuries they have, they're, they're probably going to dip a little bit. It's so tight that just the smallest thing's going to knock you down a few pegs. So yeah, I think they're probably going to finish like sixth. And, a, you know, a close six, which, you know, Charles Barkley was on TNT the other night saying, oh, man, the Hawks have been a huge disappointment this season. It's like, yeah, really, Charles? Uh, <laughs> who of Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and uh, Brooklyn did you think the Hawks was going to be ahead of at this point in the season? Yeah, for real. But and, you, you go and be you, Chuck. Yeah, and and thing is, like, you know, these national national and Chuck. I mean, folks folks always trip me out. Like Chuck's not no an, an, uh, analyst, man. Chuck Chuck is Chuck is Chuck. You know what I mean? And like a disappointment. Chuck did you see the Hawks last year? Like they won twenty ball games. Like, but he's got like a decades long grind against the Hawks. I don't. I don't get it. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. He, he like, just, you know, he gets like bitter beer face when, when, they, when the topic of the Hawks comes up. It, he really does. He really does. There, there's something going. I don't know what it is. He's, he's for a guy that lives in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> just a solid axe to grind. I don't know. What, yeah. He feels like right. he got disrespected at some point. Uh, I don't think he's ever said it, but uh, it'd be interesting to find out. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I, I think that at the end of the day. Hawks probably be a five or a six seed. I don't see them dipping below uh, probably the six. I think Boston may catch them. I don't know. It really depends on the week. And, you know, it depends on the injuries this season has just been crazy. Like, I think there's something to the fact, and I think no one has been talking about it enough, about the idea of this 72-game sprint with a uh, lack of an offseason and, you know, a condensed 72-game uh, season where guys aren't resting as much, you know, and so you're seeing guys go get hurt. And, you know, you look at the Hawks, it's like a triage, you know, the Lakers playing without AD and Braun, you know, the Murray kid goes down. It's like all over the league, man. And uh, I just think it, it's, it's, I understand why they, why they did it. You know, the almighty dolly lost a lot of money last year, but there is something to the fact of how they're trying to get this season in this season, <laughs> this year, man. And yeah. I don't know, it's not good for the players, man, because they're going down like flies. I'll say this for the Hawks. Like they have 16 games left and they have 12 games in a span of, hmm, let's see, 12 games in a span of like, 18 days like it's gonna be the next 12 games are gonna be just absolutely brutal um they're gonna have they play like three back-to-backs in like the span of a week so uh you know the, the next 12 games are gonna be kind of a grind then they get three days off and they come back for their final four games the final four games are all at home and they're going to come after three days of rest. And there's, they're against Washington, Washington, Orlando, and Houston. And that's just going to be four teams that do not give a crap 
about winning. And when I say do not give a crap about winning, they're going to have an active interest in losing. <laughs> yeah, indefinitely. <laughs> and Indeed. winning the ping pong balls. So yeah. the Hawks season really should be very short. Like they have 16 games left, but really. Like 12. <laughs> it's it's just a grind of getting through 12 and then they should at least you know it would be embarrassing for them not to win three out of four coming down the stretch yeah i agree i agree well my brother man i appreciate you for coming in and chopping it up with me as always man i always enjoy your perspective and your takes and everything and uh you do great work man it's uh hopefully next season we can get a little closer to the hawks and Coverage. I don't know what coverage is going to look it's, like going forward, you know, but yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Like you, you said it like it's, it's hard to get to know players like via Zoom. Uh, I know that for me, like every time I ask Bogdan Bogdanovich a question, I think I inadvertently offend him. <laughs> like earlier this season, I tried to ask him a question about, you know, being sort of a, a big game. I don't know. He seemed, you know, he has a reputation as a guy who likes the ball in big moments. I tried to ask him a question about that. And I think he thought that I was saying that he didn't get those opportunities in Sacramento because they lost all the time. And what I was trying to say is that when he was in Turkey before that, you know, they won a Euro League championship. And, you know, I was trying to get at, you know, what happened before Sacramento. And I think he thought I was insulting his Sacramento tenure. And then the other day, you know, Trey didn't play. And I thought it was just marvelous that he attempted 16 threes. So I asked about 16 threes. And I think he was thought I was saying, hey, you're a gunner. Why the hell did you shoot 16 times from three? And it's like, no, you, that's perfect. Like, I understand the math. Like, that's brilliant. You made eight of them, big guy. That was like a career. Yeah. And I think he thought I was calling him a gunner. So, like, yeah, I mean, I have no reputation with some of the new guys. And it's... <laughs> it's tough it's tough it's a tight rope to walk it's like you get one or two shots a night to ask the questions as opposed to kind of On just computer, talking and yeah. developing that relationship so it's different yeah, there are no there are no conversations so yeah it's it's just what, it is what it is i appreciate you my brother for coming on man and uh shout out to twitter and, and your podcast and everything that you got going on man thank you sir it was a pleasure so um yeah, shout out, shout out your Twitter real quick. What's your Twitter? And oh, then... oh, oh, wow. Sorry, I missed that. Thank <laughs> you. Oh, it's uh, K. Chenard. My last name's a French mess. So it's K. L. Chenard, sorry. K. L. C. H. O. U. I. N. A. R. D. And the, the podcast is ATL and 29. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. 
Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.